life feels perfect Other days it just ain't working The good, the bad, the right, the wrong And everything in between Yo, it's crazy, amazing We can turn our heart through the words we say Mountains crumble with every syllable Hope can live or die So speak life That number is to listen, 
and to comment as well. So if you want to uh, come in, be pulled into queue, if you have a question for us tonight, you can select the number one, and we'll pull you in by identifying the call with your area code and the last four digits of the number that you are calling from. So that's the way that we'll pull you into queue. And we do hope that you have questions, comments um, about tonight's show. Our Tracy is going to provide us some information uh, for those of you who are who've ever thought about writing a book and things like that. So get your pen and get some paper because she's going to provide you with some good information um, to kind of get you going, and then I know she's going to explain all of that, what she's going to be doing uh, as far as publishing and writing as well. So go ahead and get your pen and paper out for tonight so that, so that you can take notes. So if you know someone that is thinking about doing that, go ahead and want you to just text them, call them, send them a message on Facebook, tell them, hey, listen, uh, got some information going about writing and publishing. So do that. Uh, going forward, just let me say this. Because when I signed on initially tonight, there were some issues with me getting on, and, and we can't do anything about technology. So if we're disconnected or if I am disconnected, just hang tight. Don't hang up. Don't disconnect. I'll always just log back in pretty quickly. If I'm not back in within a few minutes and something's going on and I cannot get back on, but, but don't leave us if that happens. And hopefully it won't, but I just wanted to share that just in case. Remember Trash Can, our Trash Can Baby, uh, the Butterfly Evolution Baby concept, and that is we ask that our listeners move their trash can. Move your trash can from one location to another, preferably one that you frequently use. And for me, it was my kitchen. It was the one in the kitchen. And what I did was I moved it from one location to another, and what happened with me and and probably many others is you'll find yourself going back to its old location. Although you know that you've moved it, you'll find yourself going back to its old location. And as you do that, we ask that you just be mindful of the fact that you went back to that location without much thought process. And what that needs to tell you is that your mind, our mind, keeps up with the most smallest insignificant things, as simple as where we put our trash. So if it keeps up with those little things, then what you what do you think happens with the things that really, um, that are big things in our lives, but because we're used to them, we just continue to live in them. And I was also thinking about this today, how, how often, um, you know, there's such dysfunction going around and such bondage in the world in spite of all the God-seeking, proclaimed, God-seeking, God-fearing people. Um, it's almost as if we've been accustomed to the dysfunction, so much so to that has become normal. And so anything that spreads light, uh, that pushes you beyond what you are used to, like where you are used to that trash can being and because you keep going back to where it used to be, you kind of get frustrated. So regardless if it's good for us or not, we, or not, we just have become accustomed to some things, and because we know it, we think that's it, this is how it is, um, or we don't want to do the work it takes to get beyond that. But we have to train our thoughts. We have to remind ourselves where we want to go, who are we, uh, not who this world tells us we are, and I, I think it's so important that we reflect, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Um, I say we've become addicted to the patterns of this world, not just conformed. We are addicted to this life, and I'm for one, you cannot please self and God. So 
as you think about tonight's show, and, and again, I can find a way to bring all of that into to this show as well, but remember this, if we sow a thought, we reap an action. If you sow action, you reap habit. Your habit becomes your character, and your character is going to lead you somewhere. Your character is going to lead you to your destiny. So our thoughts are huge. We, that's why it's so important to just kind of take control, not kind of, to take control of your thoughts and determine which ones to eliminate, which ones are for me, which ones will help me get to where I am going. And you have to know that, and you have to be willing to work at that and remember that, keep that in front of you and know who you are. So that's, uh, that covers our, our housekeeping things. And so we, we, I see that we have some new people that have come in, but just remember to select, select the number one if you have a question or a comment for tonight's show. So without further ado, I am going to go ahead and bring our special guest back into queue with us. Tracy, are you here with us? Yes, ma'am, I am here. All right, well, thank you. And and she does so much. I'm going to let her tell us all about who she is, what she does, and then we'll just kind of, we're going to just freely go through the show. Hopefully, again, you have questions. So, Tracy, just tell us who you are, what you do, and, and how all of this came about. Okay. Um, long story short, because it is a long story, um, my name is Tracy uh, T. Elise, or E. Christian, and I am the author of the Black College Sabbatical Trilogy Series. And I'm excited to say Trilogy Series because for a while it was looking pretty bleak to put out that third book. But I've been an author since 2007, and um, I've in, in my travels I have merged or paired up with fellow authors in Detroit, my business partner in particular, Adria Young, and we created the Live Ladies of Literature. Uh, Productive Artist Movement is what we like to call it in 2009. That led to an impromptu book tour as well as uh, the opportunity to dabble in playwriting. Um, The Mocha Monologue Series was a three part monologue series that we participated in, we wrote and produced um, over those a few years. And now um, I have recently released the, le- the final installment of my trilogy series, the Black College Sabbatical Spring Quarter, and I am re- in conjunction with that to celebrate the release of the final installment, I have re-released second editions of the prior two installments. So it's the Black College Sabbatical Fall Quarter, which is the first one, second edition, as well as Winter Quarter, second edition, which will be available as early as next week. And uh, in my spare time when I'm not writing and authoring, I am a radio host myself. I have a weekly radio show uh, called Back on the B-Side. So, you know, we dabble in old-school, neo-soul, contemporary jazz, and progressive hip-hop and get everybody grooving and in a, in a positive, artistic move every, every Saturday. And that's been going on for about a year and a half. And that's there in, in Michigan, in Detroit? Yes, right? in Detroit. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Okay, okay. Now tell us about, you mentioned the, live, the uh, Ladies of Literature. Mm-hmm. Tell us, tell that us was, about it was a productive artist movement between myself and and my a college friend as well as, you know, business partner, Adrian Young. She had a book series out of monologues that was nonfiction for youth. And my book is fiction 
for, I like to say, you know, young adults and older. So we decided to pair up and just, you know, kind of step away from the traditional methods of promoting ourselves. You know, we were new authors, and this was before, a little before the actual ebook industry took off the way that it did. You know, it was, it was existing, but we still really didn't know, you know, people were still trying to warm up to it, you know. But we just found that, you know, going to traditional conferences, there's nothing wrong with it because it's always something to learn, but it can become expensive, especially if you self-publish, you know. So um, we wanted to find a way to kind of generate a buzz about our books, you know, locally, and hopefully it would branch out. And so we just kind of paired up, came up with a, a catchy name, and we started promoting our books in everywhere that you would not think you would see an author selling a book. We were in clubs, we were at, you know, outdoor festivals, concerts, wherever people would let us set up. And, you know, that was right around the time that, you know, social media was really taking off, and so it was somewhat of the perfect storm, and it set a wonderful platform for us to just delve delve a little deeper into what we love in artistry and, you know, just kind of branching off into different things, you know, but still just, you know, re-energizing that creative spirit. It was a fun ride, and hopefully we look to do some more things together, but, you know, she's since released her uh, third novel and mini novel, and then I've released this one, so, you know, hopefully the, the... the time will come where we can pair up again and maybe, you know, reintroduce our monologue series or work on some new ventures. Okay. How how do you feel the uh, younger students, both male and female, um, have responded to the trilogy series? Do you have you received much feedback from my, from the young people, such as the college from the college level of the series? Is that well, you the know ball- what? You know, the people that I initially, you know, was shopping the book to because, you know, I'm a product of a historically black college. I met my husband in college, my business partner in college, my radio show co-host I met in college. So, (laughs) you know, the black college experience was pivotal for me, which is why I wanted to write a story about it. And what I came to find as I started, you know, promoting the book was that it was a story that was was relative and, and entertaining to people, whether they were at the age of attending college, whether they had previously attended a historically black college or a majority college. I found that a lot of older people, people older than myself, I'm 41 years old, I had people, uh, you know, in my mother's age range that, you know, weren't even avid readers but just kind of took a chance on my book because they knew me personally and wound up really enjoying it, you know. So sometimes I think that when we as new authors start to research who we think our target market is, you might come to find that, you know, more people will enjoy a good story than even you would think initially, you know. Right. And especially if they can relate to it, as you say, there's a, you were, um, you know, a product of the historical black colleges and met so many of your contacts there. And that's why I wanted to, to just kind of get out because I think some people, you know, we don't, some, not all of us, kind of think out of the box and we might think, oh, that's a college experience. But we've all kind of kind of been there and have our questions and about the historical black college experience, whether we voice it or not. Uh, I think we know someone. Mm-hmm. If we've not been a part of it, we know someone who, who has, for sure. Right, right. And, um, I, and the thing about it is, is it, through the book, you know, sure, the black college sabbatical, is, is, it's set is the black college, you know, a fictional black college. That's the setting. But we explore so many of not just the educational issues but social issues. You know, it's really a 
story about friendship. It's about, you know, creating bonds and loyalties, you know, and how to deal with how, you know, these are the story chronicles for girls their first year attending a historically black college, and they don't know each other prior. So there's a guardian angel who serves almost as a narrator, so to speak. He's like the reading companion of the reader. And he challenges the reader at the beginning of the series to say, you know, each girl has her own set of issues and lessons that she has to learn, but I have been sent as the guardian angel to look over one. And your job as the reader is to join the journey in hopes of figuring out who I'm actually here to protect. You know, so um, I was just looking to kind of, we, we, we delve in all type of subject matter. You know, we delve into date rape. We delve into interracial dating, uh, you know, the bonds between women, sibling rivalry, fraternities and sororities. We explore a lot of themes throughout the three books, you know, to make it still indicative of everything that you would expect in a good fiction story. You know, it just How happens to be set in a black college. I'm sorry. How much of the story do you do you feel your personal life was able to? Um, how much of how much of your personal life is into it from your experiences? Were you able to grab a lot of information and a lot of your experiences to for the input of the book? Oh yes, absolutely. Especially the very first one. You know, the very first book was you know it was pivotal because it was my very first time writing a novel. You know, so there you have so many ideas and you want to put a little bit of everything you know, into that first novel, which is how it wound up being a three-part series, because if I'd have wrote everything that I really wanted to write when I first sat down, it would have been like a, a urban war and peace, you know, it would have been super huge. So that was why we broke it into three, um, you know, books. But, you know, if you attended Central State or any historically black college during, you know, uh, during the time when you read the first book, you're going to recognize you know, some components of it. I talk a lot about how historically black colleges set up the orientation process, how it's not just a couple days, but it tends to be a week or longer, you know, to just uh, affiliate the freshman class with the campus and the practices. And, you know, you have a set of ambassadors, which are nothing but upperclassmen that attend the university who work to help the freshmen through that transition process. And a lot of people don't know that those situations are set up unless they've attended. You know, so um, that's a very big part of the fall quarter book, you know, just the introduction into the college and how these schools, um, you know, embrace and encompass, you know, all of their traditions and values, and they just start pouring it in from day one, the minute the kids hit the campus, you know, um, re-energizing school spirit, those type of things, you know. And then we dealt with, you know, an unwanted pregnancy and drug use and, you know, some of the pitfalls that people will encounter or, you know, come across and hopefully overcome if that happens, you know, based upon the setting and the people you surround yourself with, you know. So we know that a lot of a lot of education takes place in the classroom, but I think our, through our series they'll see just how much education the students get that are that is outside the classroom, you know, but they might not have got it had they moved away from home and, you know, been in this experience, in this setting, and in this place, you know. Do you find that the, for as far as time zone or, or, or age, time, the, the time of writing, what does it, be, does it better represent uh, then or now or, or in between? And then what are some of the differences you think, um, how, how do you express the difference or deal with the differences then and now? So the time zone kind of is it written then then or now or in 
between and then the differences because um, so much has changed, especially with our young people. So much has has, has just changed. Um, I didn't go off to college. I stayed home and stayed home. I mean, like I stayed home and I went. I didn't, I didn't okay. leave the city. <laughs> okay. So for me, I was a bit different, but I don't know how I would have. I can't say that I, I don't know how I would have handled all that. So answer you know, that for um, us. Okay, um, what I found is it was, uh, you know, when I wrote the book, when I wrote the series initially, it was in 2007, okay, and, you know, a lot of what I learned and what I'm implementing into why there is a re-release, you know, of the first two books was to update some of the material, you know, um, just the advances in technology. There's a storyline in the book that chronicles around a video or a movie, a home movie going viral. You know, at that particular time when I was writing, we were still kind of, you know, dealing with VHS and, you know, <laughs> and video recordings. So, of course, I had to update the the, the, the storyline in and of itself was cool, but just the technology. You know, I made references to people carrying Palm Pilots because that was 2007. And so we needed to update, you know, that information because now everyone has a cell phone or everyone has an iPod or iPad or, you know, those type of things. Um, you know, I found myself... I found it necessary to, you know, re-release it and kind of update the story because what the actual characters go through, I think, is very, very true to form, not only for the time that it was written, but, you know, are still things that the kids experience now. But, you know, of course the advances in technology and the advances in social media are start, you know, had to be referenced and updated from the time that I wrote the book. So I would say it was a little bit of both. And then another reason, you know, kind of flipping and moving toward the publishing aspect of it, um, you know, I uh, really, you know, got taken as a new, as a ambitious, you know, amateur new author, you know, and I spent a lot of money and did not necessarily get quality service, you know, my first time around publishing the first two books. And while I improved from one to the other, um, you know, the time away that I spent with the live ladies that I stepped away from the actual publishing process lent for me to learn a lot more and be and, and learn some patience because sometimes as a new author, you're so excited about putting out a work and maybe proving wrong some of the naysayers or the doubters in your world that you might not uh, you might be moved to not pay attention to certain things that that require detail in order for you to really be successful. You know, I had a cover for my first book that was, you know, it was special to me, but it wasn't necessarily the type of cover that might draw off, that might draw a reader in and make them want to flip the book over and see what the story is about. You know what I'm saying? So that was something that needed to be updated and changed as I grew and learned patience and strategy in marketing a book. I always tell people writing a book is one thing, but marketing a book is a whole nother animal. You know, and oftentimes we have to learn how to kind of calm down that that inner fire to just put it out, um, to come up with a strategy that'll be long lasting. You know, and now I think I'm on the verge of you know tapping into that spirit, and I'm a little less afraid of being told no. So <laughs> um, it's a little easier now. You know, for that I found another store, another source that makes it a lot more affordable for me to put my books in the print as well as to put them in ebook form, so that I am, you know, being, um, um, you know, my books are available to whatever style of reading people enjoy. 
you know, but then also just, you know, kind of pulling back, re- recreating the cover, recreating those things that will make people who don't know me or don't or have never heard of the book before be drawn in enough to actually want to buy it. You know, so it was, you know, I would say it's a little bit of both in the question that you asked, a little bit of all of that, you know, as to why I had to step back, yeah. Okay. I think it's important for people to realize, too, especially for those who are thinking of of writing uh, a book, for me, and I'm going to speak just from from my side, I'm going through that process myself, and I've, I've been working on it for a while, and I've given myself a deadline, but... I got to a point where you kind of see if you feel like, gosh, well, everybody seems to be doing this. Am I doing this? Do I want to do this just because that seems to be the thing to do? Um, mm-hmm. And so you have to kind of learn to, like you said, step back and, and, and find out, which goes back to what this show is all about, who are you, what's your purpose, what, what, what do you stand to gain, what are you looking to gain, and what are you li- looking to give, even, even more importantly, what are you looking for people to get out of this? Um, so it's so important, again, to know who we are and to, to be okay with that. Open yourself up for um, suggestions and things like that. But sometimes when people, I've gotten to this point, um, Tracy, where, you know, you can bring me a, a bone, but if it doesn't go with my dinner, mm-hmm. if it doesn't, you know, some things just don't go together. If you can't eat them at the same time. Right. <laughs> you can't eat it. So thank you. I'll put this up until we got the right dinner for this. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. A piece of everybody, but losing who you are mm-hmm. and what your purpose is for that book, so to speak. So that my is next so question, true. That is so true. Go ahead. I'm sorry. My next question, I had to go here because I, when you were talking about the guardian angel, I don't want to forget this question. You were saying that the the, the readers kind of have to figure out, I guess, which one which one of the girls, uh, the guardian angels is there is there for, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. So how much um, spirituality is in the book? Because when you said that, I could. I always tell people I'm living off the prayers of my grandmother for sure because otherwise I probably wouldn't be here. But how much so I could see, you know, that one girl where she feels like, you know, she could hear her grandmother or mother praying and feel that. So Mm -hmm. how much spirituality, how much spirituality is in the book? Um, I would say, you know, I kind of took the, I took the role when I was writing, you know, when I would write, you know, the angels part, because the angel kind of, you know, comes in, you know, a few times throughout the story, um, just kind of like, you know, to kind of catch you up, because you're, you know, you're you're seeing the story unfold from each different character's perspective, you know. So, he, you know, in between sections, he kind of comes in and kind of reels it all together um, and, 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 and just always makes a play that no matter what, uh, what, the particular characters may be going through at that point in the book. It all ties back to the ties and the connections and binds that they are making where they are. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, oftentimes when you go away to school, these are the friends that you encounter who are friends of yours totally on the esteem of you. You know, oftentimes before we go away, you know, our friends were kind of pre-picked for us. You know, our friends become the children of our parents. 
you know, or kids we meet in school, you know, that type of thing. But when you go away to college, you know, it's the first time you're living away, you're living on your own, away from your parents' eye, you know. So everybody that you meet from that point on, they know you because of you. And if they happen to meet where you, they happen to become in, uh, be impacted by where you come from, it's because you take them as a friend to your family, you know, and introduce. So that is, um, you know, kind of, that's where that's where I that's the mold I went to when I was writing from the angel's perspective. The angel is kind of almost like that inner voice, but he doesn't necessarily speak in um, a overly religious, you know, or or a uh, uh, in a typical stance that you would think, you know, kind of a, a, a supreme being type of thing. He really is like a, a, a home friend. You know what I'm saying? Because I believe oftentimes when I when I pray, I pray to God the way I talk to my friends, you know, the way I talk to my family, you know. So when I wrote the angels part, I think that, um, you know, if we, if we want to talk about spirituality, I think the spirituality of the angels character comes in the fact that he's ever reminding you that there are lessons to be learned. You know, and you can't run from your own karma and the mistakes that you make. You have to actually, you know, face them and deal with the after the after effects of it, you know. And even when you're down, it's about how you get up. So I think that the spirituality of that particular character is more lean to the lessons as opposed to maybe the verbiage. You know what I'm saying? Because I just didn't want to write like, you know, a character that was so much of a supreme being kind of over the head of the reader. You know what I mean? I wanted it to be a very relatable story, you know, that people would enjoy. And, you know, when they read the angels part, it's almost like they're reading, you know, the part of a, of a good girlfriend that's sitting next to them reading the book with them, you know. So <laughs> you might find yourself laughing more at something that the angel says because the angel is talking to you as the reader and saying, did you see what this character did? What is wrong with him? You know, <laughs> so, you know, it's just, you know, a fun component that I thought would be a little different to add to fiction, you know, um, because, you know, there's a, you know, urban fiction in and of itself has so many different facets. I just love what you said about um, finding yourself and being comfortable with yourself when you've decided I'm going to be a writer, you know, because, yes, you can, you can write stories, you can write poetry, but at some point, and you can have a lot of people that you admire in that profession that you look up to, but at some point you have to be comfortable in finding your own voice and understanding that you may not get to the status of Fifty Shades of Grey with that first novel. You just may not. And you have to really, you just might really want to fall in love with it, you know, so that, because you just never know where your big break is going to come. But trust and believe that if you really, really, you know, put the work into and the dedication and the passion and a lot of yourself, if you just let go, because that was one of the problems I had sitting down. I, I would come up with a storyline, and I would run it past my husband, and he'd say, yeah, yeah, you know, go ahead and do that. And I'd be like, well, it might offend some people. And my husband was like, at some point, you're going to have to just write this book. You cannot please everybody. This book is written from your perspective, and if someone wants to challenge it, then let them write a book and challenge it. But at this point, you know, trust your instincts and the story that you want to tell and the lessons that you want to leave. And so in that, I took that advice and finished the series and went back and read it several times and just found, you know, found different voices and comfortability because 
the book is about stories. It has all the major components of fiction. It has the betrayal. It has deceit. It has, you know, uh, stories of triumph and all these things. But it also has lessons. Lessons for not only the characters, but for the reader overall. You know, I think that either through one of these characters, whether it is the protagonist or the antagonist, there is something to learn from each of them. And then you just learn about, you know, how impactful it can be for a student to go away to school, you know, preferably a a historically black college, because they just set up the learning experiences. They're so rich in tradition, and they cultivate and mold and and, and nurture our kids, oftentimes in a way that majority colleges, just because they're bigger, are you know don't have the capability to do, you know. Mm-hmm. So since we don't see a lot of a lot of uh, television shows or movies, you know, about black colleges, and if they, and if they are, they come out you know just on one accord, you know. Uh, school days dealt with the fraternity sorority, light skin, dark skin type of situation. It was great, but that was in '88. You know, and then we had Drumline in 2004, and that dealt with the whole band scenario, but not a story. And in a a different world, you know, which was kind of what sent me to a black college, you know, I wanted to write a book series that kind of picked up where that particular form of entertainment left off. You know what I'm saying? Different characters and all those type of things, but, you know, impactful so people could say, wow, I didn't know those type of opportunities were available to my kids, and it just adds the black colleges into the conversation when kids start to look and parents start to look for places to send their children. Mm-hmm. What do you think the well, – well, let me ask you this first. I love what you said about every um, – that, that we're, we're forever being reminded that there are lessons to be learned. I so agree with you there. And I, and I, mm-hmm. I really feel that we learn we, – we do okay with learning those lessons. We mm-hmm. fail in um, putting that knowledge to work, what we've learned. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and I, I know we may be a little off here, but but as, as we can kind of take anything and make it work and go to our message, and I feel like we 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 have the same <laughs> message. What do you what, what why why do you feel that is like again we we learn it. I feel we do even our even our young people. But but there's there's something that keeps us from producing uh, what learning and, and having knowledge of something. We, we fail in acting that, that learned uh, lesson out. It's almost like we go back, because a child, if they get burnt, if you let them get burnt, you know, they typically don't go back. Um, right. Absolutely. But that's but, because our babies at that point don't know anything about change. <laughs> As we get older, you know what I'm saying? As we get older, you know, um, you know, a baby say, ooh, that hurt, I don't want to go back, you know. And I always say, you know, when I, as an educator, you know, I'm a substitute teacher in my, in my spare time. Um, so uh, with youth, you know, I love working with kindergartners and younger because those are the most honest people in the world that you are ever going to deal with <laughs> because there's so much of the evils of the world that they don't know about as of yet, and they learn from us. You know, now with that being said, when you move forward and we get older, you know, one of the things that I that found, I found true when I left, went away to college and, you know, I left in maybe September and came back, you know, a little after homecoming, you know, or right around Thanksgiving, you know, and so many of the friends who were here talked about how much I changed, you know, and I know anybody who may be listening, you know, can relate to, to this type of story. Um, I think 
that as we get older, you know, we kind of stray away from putting the work in and once we've so-called learned a lesson because it demands for us to make a conscious change, you know, meaning that we may have to, you know, relinquish and let go some things in order to uh, gain the blessing that always comes behind a lesson. You know what I'm saying? Lessons, I always, I believe, and I say this on my radio show all the time, you know, we go through pitfalls and, 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 and stumbling blocks and obstacles so that in an effort, I think that's the creator's way of showing us just how strong we really are, you know. And once you've come out of that and you look back on it and you see it and you're honest with yourself about how you got there, you know, how your actions played a part in it, not only recovering from it, but but getting in that situation in the first place. Um, moving forward, once you recognize all that, you have to consciously adapt that you got to make a change. And oftentimes people say, well, you know, I learned it, I went through it, I don't have to change my thing because it only happened because of this person or it only happened because of that, you know. So at some point you're still not being honest with yourself and recognizing that you have to make a physical change in your life in order to put that work into action. And until you do that, guess what? You're going to revisit it. You are revisit it. Which means you haven't really learned it. That's, that's it. And, you know, as, as you you were talking, I, I thought about this, you know, and when you have to, when you find yourself having to visit it, having to deal with it, what what I think we're so afraid of or we come to realize is maybe it wasn't everybody else and everything. Maybe it wasn't them all the time. Maybe Absolutely. it wasn't this happening. Maybe, well, how did I contribute to that? And mm-hmm. for those of who are listening to it, they, they may be thinking, well, how, how have they gotten on this? But let's take it back, particularly, again, if you're thinking about writing a book, I feel like some of the best books have been put out by the people who have learned those lessons, dealt with those the, with what blessings came out of them, you know, acknowledged it, dealt with who they are, and got past it. Were able yep. to get past it and walk into that freedom of self. Right. When you do that, right. I mean, doors will open. You can write the books. You can, like you, you, you probably are so much farther along. When you said that, as far as even being able to now publish it yourself, because you learned those lessons. And now you are applying mm-hmm. what you've learned with action because I'm sure you had to do a lot of research, a lot of things yourself in order to gain the the additional knowledge that comes with actions behind those lessons learned. Right. And what I realize, you know, if you're thinking about writing, and, I, I you know, I say this to everyone, you know, um, everyone has a story. Everyone has a story. You know, unfortunately, writing is just as much a gift as, you know, the ability to sing or, you know, play a particular sport well, you know. Um, it may not be for everyone to, you know, sit down and actually put the pen to the paper, but if you are someone who aspires to do that, there's a certain fear that comes with tackling that desire because oftentimes it may, like for me, it came later in life. I was 30 when I decided I was going to write these books, you know, and oftentimes by the time we get to our 30s, we think we're supposed to have life figured out you know, and be on our way to millions. So mm-hmm. with that with that being said, um, with that being said, you know, people have to make sure that um, they tackle the fear of writing 
the book, and then once the book is written and you're comfortable with it, there's another set of fears that comes into play because now you have to actually go out and shop this sucker. You know, even <laughs> even if you've gotten to the point that, you know, whether you're with a traditional author, I mean a traditional publishing company that may be fitting the bill, um, to publish your book or whether you're self-publishing, you still have to be comfortable with the way that this book is shocked because it's yours. It's your, it has your name on it. It's your story. You know, if you're going the traditional route, then you have to have a, a certain armor because you want to be open to criticisms and critiques, but at the same time you don't want people to, you know, only fit the bill to put the book out so that they can change it into what they want to see and it no longer becomes recognizable to you, you know. Um, or if you're going the self-publishing route, you just have to make sure that, you know, um, one of the great things that was wonderful about pairing up with my partner is she used to always say, no doesn't mean no forever. It just means not right now, you know, mm-hmm. because that was one of my biggest things when it got to marketing. I was scared somebody was going to say, no, I don't want it right now. Um, and, I, and, that, and I'd get a rejection letter, and that would have me crying for a good two, three days. Yeah. <laughs> and I would be scared not to go into my little corner, you know. Um, but you're not going to catch everybody at that time. But, you, but as you move forward and as you, you know, keep on the path, you never know how many people are going to go to a seminar or see you at a workshop or just catch you somewhere selling your book at a coffee shop or something, and they may not buy it from you then, but they may be the, you may have impacted them in a way that will encourage them to look you up and go buy it later, you know. But if you quit every time you're told no or every time it gets, you know, a little hectic, then you might not be put in those places to run into those people, you know. Right. So, right. It's, you're, you know, you're constantly battling you know, um, the the fears, you know, but once again, I always say those fears are there just because you care, not because you're not supposed to do it. You know what I'm saying? You know, if if there's that that bug in your ear that keeps telling you about this story and this story and this story, it's because it's something you're meant to do. Now, you can choose to ignore it if you want to, but let me know how that works out for you because waking up at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning with these imaginary people on your mind, (laughs) <laughs> it can get tiring until you actually put it on a on a sheet of paper or, you know, hey, sit down right. to the computer and make it happen, you know. Um, right. But but if you do that, it can be so rewarding. I've had right. more than a few people that have read my story, whether they went to college before, whether they were older than me, younger than me. My daughter was too young to actually read my books when I wrote them. But as I got ready for the re-release, she read all three of them, and she was really the instrumental. Shout out to you, Imani. I love you. Um, she was um, very instrumental in me putting out the third book. She had to come back to me and say, I know you're doing this radio show and I know you're doing these other things, but you do still have a, a three a trilogy series to put out. And we, some me and my friends are waiting for this third book because we want to see what happens. And so that made me go back into my research thing like, oh, my God, my 17-year-old daughter is like, okay, get it popping. So that made me go back and, you know, start researching some companies that I felt like, you know, would make it affordable for me, you know, on a shoestring budget. I told you guys I am a substitute teacher, so I am by no means uh, at Oprah status, meaning that (laughs) I have to, you know, really be strategic financially as to how to do this. But because I love writing, I love telling a story, there was just no way I was going to stop. And had I not been reminded by my daughter that 
I still had some things on the shelf in the publishing aspect that I needed to do. I would have never came across the entity I'm using now that made it affordable not only to put out the third book, which was the biggest book, but then also to go back and re-edit and re-release the first one and the second one. So now the series has covers that match the story, and it's updated, it's hot, it's urban, and it's totally me. And I'm so proud of it and excited about it. But it was inspired through, you know, my daughter reminded me that, hey, you got into this with the writers, you know, with the writers thing first. Go back to that. <laughs> so. so it's have you heard of the, the quote that says rejection is God's way of saying wrong direction? Have you heard oh, that? no, but that is excellent. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and, and as you were talking, I thought about that. Because so often, you know, if it, God, God's plan is so so big and, and he can touch, we see him as touching our own lives individually, but at the very same time he's touching me and renewing me and working through me and I'm learning that lesson. He's, it, it, it's a million times, ten million more getting something different at that time that is connected to this. So if, if and this is just my way of explaining it, if you had gone with or if someone would have said, okay, yes, let's take you, you may not be here today giving some people some information that you're going to give them tonight about the process. You may not be here. Right. You may not would have been in the point in your life of, of you know, self-publishing to the point where you may be able to do this for other people um, who need this as well and create income for yourself. So that I, I love when I first read that rejection is God's way of saying wrong direction and rejection is God's protection. Um, because we don't see tomorrow, we don't we don't even see tonight. Tonight's here, but we don't see the rest mm-hmm. of the night. We don't know what's going to happen That's at eight forty six, and it's eight forty five now. So right, I love that 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 quote. So remember that re- rejection is God's way of saying wrong direction. <laughs> Oh, uh, so, don't worry. I, that's about to be the mental meal. I do a mental meal every week on my show, so I'm putting it out there now, guys. If you listen to 7 Mile Radio this weekend, um, <laughs> dot com, the mental meal is going to be <laughs> what Tammy just told me. I'm putting it in my phone as we speak. <laughs> that's it, baby. That's it, but it's so true. Well, t- before we go into um, kind of a little bit more of just the writing process, I want to ask a few questions about that. Tell everyone how to... Uh, find you, uh, the book, just any information about contact process, um, you know, anything you want to give there, especially your, any sites you have, uh, how they can get the book and all of that. Okay. Well, the book uh, the, is entitled The Black College Sabbatical, and it has three uh, installments. It's fall quarter, winter quarter, or spring quarter, and they are all available through createspace.com, literally all one word, all uh, lowercase. And um, it is what createspace.com is. It's pretty much a uh, self-publishing arm of Amazon.com. And what I found, I don't know, um, you know, if a lot of writers, especially indie writers, uh, independent writers, are familiar with, you know, traditional press, traditional publishing, and then vanity publishing, vanity press companies. And that vanity press companies are, you know, um, uh, publishing companies often, you know, do a lot of their promoting online, but they're like individualized publishing companies that, you know, offer different packages for so many hundreds or thousands of dollars, you know, for the first print run of your book. You know, they obtain, they help 
walk you through the process of obtaining your copyright as well as your ISBN number, which is your international standard book number, which is what every book needs to be able to be sold um, in the United States and abroad. Uh, and then, they, of course, they put the book in print, you know, and they give you this this uh, pamphlet and you go through the layout and all that. And most of the time, whatever package you're signing up for is so many thousand or whatever for the first 20 books. Now, once you've received these books and you paid your money, um, they offer the book for sale through their particular e-store website, these public, these vanity press companies do. And then they later on, maybe within, you know, a two-week to 30-day time frame from the time that your book is available through their site, they uh, go to Amazon to make it available through Amazon because technically Amazon is, you know, the biggest uh, retail seller, you know, out here, period, you know, whether we're talking about books, electronics, or whatever. Now, it's great to see your book on Amazon. However, the, the problem with a, print, with a vanity press uh, situation is the fact that by the time your friend finds your book on Amazon and they buy your book, you, the royalty you receive behind that is a third-party royalty that is pennies to the dollar. You know what I'm saying? And so it may take you two, three hundred before you see two or three hundred books sold before you see fifty to sixty dollars in royalties if everybody buys through Amazon as a third party, uh, as a third party print company. Um, so with that, when I decided to put out Spring Quarter and I came across Create Space, they're the self-publishing arm for the Amazon company. So guess what? You make your book available. They don't charge you anything up front. You pay literally, for each of my proofs, I paid under $5 for my books a piece. And, um, you know, it's available on Amazon with all of the updated features that Amazon provides within three to five business days of it becoming um, live and available through their site. Now, what that says to me is that, you know, they're recognizing that the indie publishing arena, you know, regardless to the genre of books, is mighty, you know, and social media and technology has made it a lot easier for people to get their stories out for little or nothing. So if Amazon wanted to be competitive in this market, they had to make sure that they didn't just go through some of these vanity press, you know, companies to get the good authors. They wanted to be able to provide a means for the authors to get on with them and kind of eliminate the vanity press situation in a whole, it's you working with their self-publishing arm at Amazon. And for me, it gets no better because I've been burnt going the other way, you know? Right, which a lot of people have. I know I was sharing the story with you about the young man that I spoke with a few weeks ago, and, and that was, you know, I, I guess I've heard horror stories, but I did not realize that they were truly like Friday the 13th <laughs> horror stories, oh, you know? Yeah. I, my first book, I paid maybe, I want to say, somewhere upwards of like $2,200. You know, now this is just for them to put the book into print, format it for me. They were supposed to do some editing. Um, they were supposed to give me some type of a comment, you know, some type of a direction or cover work or whatever and all these things. And when I got the book back, it had mistakes that weren't necessarily in my manuscript. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm -hmm. So that let me know that it was poor editing. And because I was in that mode of i got to prove my haters wrong, I didn't realize how important it was to stop 
take a minute back, really proof my book, and if it took me to send it back to them two or three times, not to make it available to the masses until it was correct. But I let my impatience get the best of me. You know what I'm saying? Now, oftentimes you'll hear people say, you know, if you're doubtful about doing something or pursuing a dream, you know, allow the, the haters in your world to motivate you, and that's true. But you have to keep that motivation in perspective, you know, because remember, this is a product that is going to last far beyond your lifespan. You know, my books are going to be around long after I'm gone, you know, and I'm a little vain in the way that I want to be remembered. So, you know, now I understand, you know, how important it is for me to, you know, take a step back and really, you know, put the put the responsibility back on the company that I was that I was paying. You know, to give me that money. Yeah, that to give me that service exactly. Now, I you know, and then they don't even want to give you a discount to purchase your books unless you're purchasing a hundred or two hundred. But as a new author you might have been struggling and taking your whole income tax check just to get the package that provided that first 20, and you still don't know whether or not you're going to actually be able to sell those 20. Right. You know, because That's if you don't like have 20. a marketing strategy. Right. As you think, talk about that, it's kind of like <laughs> funny, funny analogy that may not make sense to everybody. You know how everybody wants to just rush and get most women want to rush and get married. Forget about what happened afterwards, but I got married, you right. know. I published a book you know, through a publishing company, but behind the scenes, I ain't making a dime, you know. Right. You know, but I'm out there. And that's what people don't. Right, and that's what people don't understand. You know, you say, oh, you send your query letters and, these, you know, these different companies. You know, there are a lot more companies, uh, traditional publishing companies that are embracing, you know, uh, African-American authors, female authors, you know, and all these types of things, and that's great. You know, if it works for you, that's great. Me, myself, like you said, the rejection means a different direction. You know what I'm saying? So when I got rejected by you know, companies that I looked up to, for authors that I looked up to, I I just didn't want to let those rejections further discourage me from from the story that I wanted to put out because I knew that, you know, writing these books was going to help somebody, you know, just like all the books that I've read have helped me up to that point. So I didn't want that to be the deciding factor to stop me, you know, and that's what I, I like to pass along to everyone. You know, don't be afraid of putting the work in yourself, but understand that it is work. It is not a get-rich-quick scheme. I don't care how riveting your story is. Um, it's work putting it out there even after you get it rich, you know. But it's rewarding work. You know, when you had that person, I had a friend of mine stop me down the street. I was walking into a store, and she was stopped at a light. And she just yelled out, that book was the bomb. It was better than the first one. And she made my whole week, you know. And (laughs) that was just one book sale from somebody I didn't even know had purchased my book. She bought it through Amazon, you know. So you never know who you're impacting, and you can't let those those discouraging uh, situations deter you from the ultimate goal, which is getting the story out there, you know, and and just, you know, becoming comfortable. If you really believe in what you're doing, I, I feel there's no one better to promote you and your work than you. Right. I mean, I, I just right. truly believe that. Like you said earlier, that you guys went to places where people wouldn't even think to come in and be able to buy a book. Um, <laughs> your publishing company is not going to do They will not do that. They aren't going to do that. No, you they are not going to do that. One. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they have what they mm-hmm. want and gone. Right. 
And the only time they're going to come back to you is that if you make so much noise by yourself that you're making them money. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because trust and believe, they get the biggest portion of that profit. You know what right. I'm saying? Um, and and I know it's not all about money, of course not. But no one wants to. I, I don't know. I don't know too many people who author as volunteer. Um, you know, it's a means of volunteering. They do look to make some type of revenue from it. You know, um, exactly. And and that's what and that's what I'm finding. You know, um, you know, now that I've taken a little time and I learned some of those lessons and the importance of a good cover. And understand, I designed my cover for my first three books because, like I said, just the whole concept of the book and the themes behind it was personal to me. Now I'm writing my fourth novel, and now I've made connections with people who do graphic, who do more work in graphic artistry than I do you know, that I can trust for little or nothing. You know, I have a friend of mine that's going to charge me absolutely nothing who's going to do the photo shoot to get the artwork that I need for the cover of this next book, you know. So it's not necessarily as a new author, um, even though I've been in this game for about seven years, I still feel like this is brand new because now, you know, this series is looking like the product I originally wanted to look like. You know, I just hadn't planned it out properly in the beginning in order to be where I am now then. You know what I'm saying? Um, but but now but now I have that, you know, and understand it's not necessarily how much money you spend. It's really more about what you choose to spend your money on as the author. I felt like I wanted to spend my money on creating a story that would not be changed. You know, I didn't want people to lose the overall the overall theme of what I was trying to say in the book, you know, which was to appreciate historically black colleges and, 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 and the people who attend them, past, present, and future, you know, because they were created for a particular purpose. And even though we live in an integrated society, we still need to be able to send our youth to a place that will help us to embrace our own because we can't embrace our own. If we don't embrace our own, there's no way we'll be able to embrace others. You know, exactly. and that's what I wanted people to take away from my book. You know, Are you um, and I didn't want to the, compromise that. Right. Are you familiar with the situation since you're in Michigan with the with the students who are uh, protesting at University of Michigan? I believe it is. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there's a couple of protests going on in University of Michigan. At one time, it was the protests about the affirmative action uh, practices, you know, for college admission into their into their graduate programs, you know. And then, as recently as a couple as a couple days ago, first time right. they actually had an actual snow day <laughs> since like 1978. So, yeah. you know, there's a couple things going on there. Okay. Yeah, I just learned about it a few days ago. Do you think that there's a, a very um, – do you think there's a – because there's, there's so many negative uh, – there's, there's many negative um, things said about our historical black colleges, and, and a good number of them come from, from our people. Um, right. Do you think that there's, some, there's much truth to that, or do you think it's over-exaggerated to some degree? I'm just going to say that, um, you know, no matter how good something is, you know, if you stay in it long enough and watch it long enough, you're going to be able to find some negatives somewhere mm-hmm. because there there are no perfect things, you know. Um, yeah, you know, it's kind of like uh, the same situation that we have with the way that people view the city of Detroit um, on, a, on a grander scale, you know, because we are, you know, uh, 
in the midst of bankruptcy and those type of things, you know, uh, financial mismanagement, those type of things. Those things take place at majority colleges too. <laughs> Oftentimes it may not get the publicity that, you know, historically black colleges get. And all, it, with college across the board, um, you're going to get out of it exactly what you put into it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were built you know, on a stance of providing education to people who weren't allowed to be educated at one time. You know, can you imagine, you know, for how hard it may be to manage a college properly now, how hard it must have been in 1865 or before, which is when a lot of these schools started, you know, uh, when they were under the scrutiny of real danger, you know, because it was against the law to educate black people at that time. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then even post-Civil War, you know, how hard it must have been for a culture of people who had virtually no skills, you know, how hard it must have been to come up on the materials and get those people who were educated that were brave enough to still seek to educate our youth even post-Civil War. You know, mm-hmm. with that being said, there are some of the negatives you can't um, – you can't dispute, you know, for those colleges that have had financial troubles, uh, you know, declining uh, enrollment, those types of things. Those situations are real. But um, with the work of a lot of those, a, a lot of alumni, philanthropists, you know, uh, entertainers, athletes, those types of things that, you know, recognize the importance of these schools, you know, and the importance of giving back and paying it forward. I think that, and I've seen many HBCUs come out of the trenches of those type of troublesome situations to rebuild. My alma mater in particular, Central State University, was in the midst of a financial crisis while I was attending there. Now they are back up to enrollment and doing numbers at the at, at, at astronomical, uh, you know, doing at an astronomical rate. They have, they've, you know, changed. Um, administrations and boards and put in different, you know, put in different lawsuits. A lot of our schools, our HBCUs, are grossly underfunded, especially the ones that are state-funded organizations as opposed to private universities, you know. Um, you know, some some of our HBCUs are managed through the AME Church, you know, and that's an entity in and of itself that, you know, lends to their schools. But then there are certain schools that are state schools, like Central State University, that was grossly underfunded uh, for years, you know, and they finally got a faculty and staff in place that was able to fight for the university to receive those funds to be able to improve the services and make the situation better, you know. So I just think that, Maybe the problems aren't exaggerated, but definitely the means to correcting those problems are under-exaggerated, you know, and those okay. stories don't get told. Okay. That's kind of like that, this book called, uh, I wish I remembered the author, but Everybody's Okay Until You Get to Know Them. Have you heard that? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, everybody's okay until you get to know them because it takes time. You're right. Um, okay, well, quick question for you as far as writing. I know that we have some listeners and I had a question um, for some from someone. What if what would you tell someone who has written several books but have not they've not published or did anything with them um, due to finances? Uh, I mean, books are ready to go. Basically, uh, mm-hmm. what would you say for that person at, at least to be able to start uh, at a very would, economical way? 
I would tell that person that if, you know, to be honest with themselves as to why they haven't started, because oftentimes the money is one thing, but it's always some other underlying underlying issue that's a little more personal than just the money. You know what I'm saying? Because technically we can we can put our services out there through blogs and that type of thing, you know, and kind of get feedback. And sometimes we sit on these works because we're nervous and really don't think people will get it and understand. And there's an easy way to correct that that won't cost you anything. Take an excerpt from your book that you think is riveting and put it out there. Make a note on Facebook. Share it. Let people see. Okay. And oftentimes don't tell them it's something you wrote. Just put it out there. The title and that part, don't put your name on it. Don't do any of that. Just and, and see and share it with your community or friends or whatever and see what type of feedback you get back because that can be energizing. Now, if it is truly a money situation, I would tell them to look into Create Space because Create Space, if you, especially if you are looking and, and open to, uh, you know, self-publishing, look into Create Space because it is really an easy process and you're not paying anything up front, and you're going to be floored by how little you're going to have to pay when when everything has been approved. Your manuscript has been approved, your cover has been approved, and all of these things, you know, play around with the site and the services that are offered, and you might come to find that it is really, really affordable. You know, now, if you know that um, there are certain things that you have to consider if you're going to self-publish, uh, editing. Very important. I didn't realize the importance of that the first go around, but I definitely stress it moving forward. If I, I you read the story over, but don't just trust your judgment because you know how it's supposed to read, and because you know how it's supposed to read, oftentimes you're going to read right over some of those mistakes and you won't catch them. Um, you know, so give it to someone who is more detail oriented in reading and writing than you are. You know, if it's not a personal friend, a colleague, you know, research some people, see if they would mind, you know, some editing credits. A lot of times new authors are just looking to build the res- their resume of things that they can do other than just authoring a story, you know, editing, you know, that type of thing might be something that they're open to. So that's one way that you could, you know, uh, you know, combat that that need if you needed to. And then, of course, there are a lot of people even through Create Space that you can research into that have people who would be willing to edit your book or edit your manuscript and it won't be that it won't be hundreds of dollars. You know, it's just a little research. A couple Google searches, you know, get to talking to some friends on Facebook, research people who are already authors, join some groups, um, you know, that are for writers and authors, you know, not just book clubs, because book clubs are different. These are people who just like to read books, talk about them, and review them. That's fine for a marketing component, but if you're just beginning to write it and you need some help, you know, with putting the entire work together, then those are some things that could be very cost-effective or virtually no cost, but very helpful. You know, same thing with getting your uh, cover work done, same thing. You know, some people dabble around in graphic arts and they just want the exposure and the opportunity, you know. So you just got to do a little research and kind of talk to people outside of your immediate warm market and circle of friends because they may not know anything about books and authoring and making covers and editing, so they can't help you in that capacity, you know. You have to open yourself up to people who are already in this business you know, and just see what, what pearls of wisdom you can pull from them to find a, a, a path of of, uh, of uh, operation that will work for you. Right, right, right. 
And is that something you're going to be doing on a business level? Do you think you would going to go into that direction of being kind of maybe the middle person for? Um, I would love to. I would love to be able to, you know, help walk people through this through this uh, process. Not necessarily become a traditional publisher, you know, where I'm rejecting someone's work. Not necessarily that, but definitely a liaison, you know, um, between the new writer, you know, and the entity that they select that they want to use to get their word out there. You know, I'd rather be a support system for another indie writer than becoming the person that stops them from being an indie writer. You know what I mean? I don't necessarily want to move into that, but it's so open now, you know, that they can do it for themselves. And I believe that once we all get a little comfortable in it, you know, some people that you might be helping through the process can say, hey, did you try this? And they can teach you something that they learned through the process that you initially introduced them to, you know. And I would love to be that person, you know. So it could be more people like me out here that are indie writers and, 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 and doing it for themselves and making it work. Okay. Need to have indie writer night or something where people come together and there's so many. Right. There's so many organizations. So many. On Facebook, I mean, write your book in 30 days. I remember when I saw that one. Write your book in 30 days, and they're very supportive. They really get on and and uh, encourage one another and give tips. Um, but they do. They have it. Write your book in 30 days. Right, because it really is just sitting down and just letting the words come out, you know. That's that's pretty much what it is, you know, just just letting that fear go. And oftentimes it's easier said than done. But if you push yourself and you allow yourself to do it, you are going to definitely surprise yourself with the end result, what comes back, you know. And don't be so concerned with, you know, my tip, don't be so concerned with the mistakes that you're going to make, especially when you're sitting down to write. Understand that you may not outline this book. I didn't outline my book when I first wrote it. I just knew the story I wanted to tell and some of the other story storylines were developed as I was writing the book. You know, so it, of course, you know, there are words used out of context. There's, you know, drop punctuation. There's all those type of things. But sometimes it takes you to just get the words out and get the story out on paper or out on the computer screen so it becomes real and physical. And remember, you can always read back and correct. You're going to find yourself doing it so much, you're going to get tired of your own story. But because <laughs> you've been read it so many times, you know, but it, it, it helps. It helps. It helps grow you as a writer, and then once you read your work back, you see how much you were meant to do it, and the motivation that comes from that is phenomenal. You know, mm-hmm. just like riding a high, you'd be all by yourself, super wow. busy and excited in the middle of the night for no reason. That's what I used to do. Wake <laughs> so. up writing. Yeah. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. What about... Um, and we'll we'll get ready with them a little over the hour. But what about for those who, um, like you said, everybody has a story uh, to tell. Mm-hmm. I've, I've come across people, and I just I can you you hear them talk, and you can just almost see the words on paper. And I know a, yeah. a lot of us from a place of fear um, on a good number of things. What what encouraging words uh, can you give out to those who? have and know that they have but cannot seem to put it put pen to paper um would you would you recommend ghostwriters or or for them to really sit down and do it themselves 
I would say that if writing isn't something, if the actual the the actual physical act of writing is not something that you already love to do, and you either love it or you don't. You know, a lot of people, it's kind of like public speaking. You either love to get up in front of that audience or it's the worst thing you could think of <laughs> to do. You know, there's kind of no in-between. You either like it or you don't. And that's how writing is, you know. If you find that you have a riveting story but writing is just not your thing, that's okay. It doesn't mean that your story isn't worthy to be told, I would definitely say seek out a ghostwriter. But here's what I've run, I run into with the ghostwriting situation. I've had a good four or five people, men and women, uh, come to me and say, Tracy, I want you to write my story. And that's a beautiful feeling for the two minutes it takes them to say it, okay? <laughs> but at the next point, you know, um, if you are someone who loves to write and maybe you have run the gamut of your ideas, you know, and then someone comes to you and says, look, you know, I got this story, these things I've been through, I want you to write it. Then it's up for you to decide if you want to, you know, enter into a partnership because trust and believe that's what it is. You know, it's supposed to be set up that way. It's a partnership for you as a writer to tell this person's story. You know, it's the same situation with Alex Taylor and Malcolm X. It was the autobiography of Malcolm X as told to Alex Haley. You know, so with that being said, you are offering a service at this point. You are offering your intellectual property, your gift, which is your writing, to someone else's story, and you need to be compensated for that. And I think oftentimes when we're new writers like myself who, you know, have yet to sell, you know, make a bestseller list or sell a million copies, you might kind of downplay your artistry in that sense. But what I've learned is that it's kind of kind of going back to the theory, the, the theory that you were discussing earlier in the show about not allowing people, sometimes people will give you a bone, but it's not always for your plate, you right. know. Sometimes people can put more stuff on your plate, and you forget mm. what you're in, what you're in, what you're at the table for. You know. Right. Um, so with that being said, if you're someone who, you know, wants your story told, understand that when you go to this writer, they may not be one of those writers who are at a lack for ideas. You know what I'm saying? They might have two, three different books on their head that they're trying to get done, too. And so you can't minimize what they may already have on their plate just to get your story out and then think that you're not going to have to compensate them. You know what I'm saying? Because they're doing the work up front. Another thing is that even if you are a person who is not writing the book because it's your story, you are still going to have to put some time into it. I have yet to meet a person who can come and tell me their life story in a six-hour or a three-hour span, and I can come back with a full 200-and-something page novel for them within a week. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's going to have to be a commitment on your part as the person whose story is getting told and on, on the part of the person that you are getting to write the story, whether you say we're going to meet up once a week you know, and we're going to spend a couple hours together. You're going to, you know, we're going to brainstorm and outline. At that point, it is about brainstorming and outlining the, the, what you want this story to represent and how that person wants it to be told and how you're comfortable in writing it. Um, but understand that you're, going to, you're still going to have to make the commitment to the story and see it through with that writer until it's done, from the cover to every, every theme and component inside the book 
to the way that it's edited, you know, it's still your job to look it back over and say, look, take this out, put this in. You know, you have to be willing to be active in the process, even though you might not be the one writing. Right. You know, and that person may say, look, just come and pay me $20 once a month every time you come through, and then we might self-publish it together and split the profit. You know, or they may say, hey, I'm going to pay you a couple hundred to get this story done, and then I want you to give it to me, and I don't want you to have anything to do with publishing it. I mean, you know, the, the, the lines of negotiation are wide, you know. Um, you can you can kind of set up any type of scenario that you would want. But just recognize if you're a person that's not writing but you need the story to be told, understand that that writer deserves to be compensated because you are coming to them with an idea that they didn't already have. So in order for them to accommodate you, they're going to have to abandon something that they may be working on in order to get your project done. It's not that they wouldn't be willing to do it, but, you know, put yourself in their shoes. And make sure that you remember that that person's going to look to be compensated. That doesn't mean you pay them two, three hundred every time you come through. I'm not saying that. It has to be something that's conducive to your budget. But at the same time, you know, oftentimes if you just make sure that that person knows that you are willing to compensate them, then they're willing to work with you. And it can be a great experience and you can get it done. Now, if you're somebody that's at a lack for ideas and you need motivation, you know, for a new story, then it could be a match made in heaven. You know, you could say, well, hey, I'm not going to charge you. We're just going to get together. We're going to commit to the schedule until we get it done, and then we're going to collectively go out and shop it and put it in the print, and let's see what happens. That's a great scenario, too. Mm. You know, so I just think that, you know, people have to come into it, you know, just being very uh, respectful and conscious of where the person is that wants the story told and the uh, and the person who wants the story told has to be conscious of where their potential writer is in the in the, in their journey. You know what I'm saying? And exactly how much they're going to have to step away from what they're already doing in order to get your project out there. Okay. And you're using Create Space for this last one, correct? Is that Create Space? Yeah, yep, I'm using Create Space. Yep, so all you would have to do is go to createspace.com and just put in the Black College Sabbatical or Tracy E. Christian, which is Tracy, T-R-A-C-I-E, um, E. Christian, and both of the, you know, pages will come up. Fall Quarter, the second edition of Fall Quarter, which is the, you know, into the debut installment of the book, that's now available through Create Space. And then the third edition, you know, um, is available through Create Space. And by next week, the the second book, the second edition of the second book, Winter Quarter, will be available through Create Space, and they make it How very affordable. How much is the book? It's twelve ninety nine. It's twelve ninety nine, and then also um, my website is www dot b hyphen c y d e multimedia dot com and what I'm going to do in the next couple of days is make sure that I have links to the books and you'll be able to see the covers right on the main page and when you click those uh links you'll be able to go directly to, you know, the author page on Create Space. Um you can also look my books up on Amazon. Like I said, when you use CreateSpace dot com and you make your book available, it's available in their e store immediately and it takes about three to five business days before they make it available on Amazon. But, um, you know, Amazon tends to charge maybe like a dollar less, you know, than what uh, than what the CreateSpace eStore um, would charge. But, of course, you set the price for your book, you know, 
So that's just, you know, conducive on what you think it's what you think is a fair price for it to be charged. But um if you are on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or Google Plus, then you could just look me up as T Elise, B Side DJ, and Elise is spelled E L I C E, uh, and B side, side is spelled C Y D E. Just a different spelling, play on words, something to, you know, make us stand out a little bit. Or you could just look me up at TracyChristian.com, and you should be able to find me. I'm all over the place. Now, they can learn about the self-publishing on Create Spaces. Well, do they have a, a section there that kind of walks people through that it process? It walks you all Okay. It walks you all the way through it. They learn everything. And then they even have where you can, you know, email questions to them and they get back with you within 24 hours. They even have a component where you can say, look, I, I don't want to email. I need you to call me. And you can okay. put your number in and they'll call you right then and on the spot and they will walk you through it. I mean, they are very, very helpful. And there's even been times where I've had holds on my account just because, I was going to purchase something and decided not to, and I could not, the card, the card I was going to use to pay for my little $4 proof wouldn't go through, and I was having difficulty, and I called the company, and they actually just sent me a free proof just to make sure, you know, that I got the proof, and then they, you know, corrected the issue that I was having later, but they just went ahead and sent the proof for free. So they are definitely a a company, you know, that works well for, the independent author. They try to make it as easy as possible. And if you have funds and you just don't want to do it yourself, they do have professionals on staff that will walk you through it, but, of course, that's for a greater fee. But it's still cheaper than any vanity press company that you might go with. Okay. That's interesting. Good to know that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. It's a good company. It made it so easy. I was just sitting back waiting for the ball to drop, and they say, oh, it's two or 3000 and it just never did. You know, my book... I had a 300 and some page book, and my um, proof and my final copies cost me $4.97 per book. Not bad if you sell it for $12. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope people are, are taking this in because, like I said, I know a, a couple of people, especially one, one young lady that is uh, is done, and, and as I thought about what you were saying earlier, how people, you know, what, they won't call her back or something. It's just because God's saying, nope, wrong way. And that's exactly the way she wanted to go. She thought it was much easier and better to do, uh, to use publishing companies. And when right. I told her the eighty twenty, she was like, no, I thought that would be the opposite, the way, you know, different. <laughs> I'm 80 and they're 20. <laughs> no, it's not. No. Oh. Mm-hmm. The more money that they put up to put it in print, the less you're going to get back on sale. And please believe, if they think, if they offer you, uh, I don't know, let's say, if they offer you $10,000 sign-in bonus to go ahead and give them the rights to your book so that they can put your story in print, it's because they think they can make 100000 off of it. And they're going to pay you that funky 10 and keep it moving and change the cover and, you know, change the spelling and they own the copyright, they own the rights to that edition, and you're just out of luck, you know. So that's the back end of it that a lot of people don't know, you know. Um, the more that they're willing to give you to grab that story, um, it's because they actually believe through their own mechanisms they can make way more. And if right. that's the case, then so can you. You know, it just takes a little more work. You know, I didn't say it was easy. Like I said, self-publishing is not a get-rich-quick scheme. (laughs) 
But if people get out there and do their work and promote themselves everywhere everywhere they go, um, I have this thing of every time I leave the house, I have to give ten cards away. I, I mean, you know, give people. I have to say something to ten people about what I do. Right. And that's right. Just, and that's you know just, what? My business partner had that same, you know, had a mechanism that was something like that. And I, like I said, I was the recluse. You know, I was the person that liked right. to write the story, put it out there, and just kind of go hide and see who likes it. But no one, you could write the best book. If you don't get out there and push it, no one will know about it. You know, so that's you right. have to just. You just have to push yourself, get on out there and smile. And if they, you know, if you don't catch them now, leave them with something, you never know. They may come back across it a year later and say, you know, I remember when I met this person. Or, you know, they may run across your business card and say, oh, we friends on Facebook. Well, let me look into their book. You know, it, it's amazing. You know, um, it, it, it's really an amazing process. But, you know, um, if you put the work in, trust and believe, it'll come right back tenfold. It will. You never know when that one person might be the person. So exactly. get out of your box, you get out of your comfort zone, and support your stuff, support your dream. There's nothing worse than I, I can imagine writing a, a book and then selling it and someone getting 80 and sending me 20% of it. I don't think that would go over yeah. well. No, so. no, no. It hurts your feelings. It hurts your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> and will make you not write another one. If you don't do your research and realize there's a better way. Exactly. It's easy to get discouraged, you know what I'm saying? But like I said, there are so many um, benefits when you self-publish, you know, because you just never know. There are so many ways that people have added to my good good bank, um, you know, just through them appreciating what I do, much like what you said with what you do with the show. You know, you always want to, you know, impact someone's life for the better with your show, which you've done for me tonight. Um, on several fronts, but, you know, you also, you, you have also learned so much, you know, about yourself and how the show has helped you in doing it that you might not have learned those lessons had you not stepped out on faith and just did this show. It's the exact right. same thing with the right. It's the exact right. same thing. Right. A friend. And, and the way friend, that I... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying a, a friend of a friend may, you know, come up and say, hey, I read your book and... You know, I, I felt like you were talking to me. I went through some similar stuff. It really helped me, you know, um, and that's no matter what the book is about, you know, but right. nobody will know it if you're just sitting back with it. So to that person that said their books are ready to go, you should be on createspace.com right now, reading right. through the tutorial and walking right. yourself through it for your first manuscript. Well, you got to share the story before we close that, and I don't remember exactly how it went, but I remember the first time talking to you and you shared the story of what your husband said. It was the way you 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 said a little bit, I think, but you didn't tell you didn't tell it the whole way he told you because that was that was that was uh, epic. What the way he said, I think it was like, well, what is it doing now or something? You remember the story you told me? Yeah, about I definitely you? remember. I do, I do, <laughs> and I tell it on my show. You know, it's probably going to be something I wind up adding to my marketing campaign, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, when I was sitting up and I was, you know, debating, I was a person who wrote poetry, and I just used to sit back, write my poetry, you know, and just chill. And I kept telling my husband, I wanted to write this book. I want to write this book. And he was like, well, you know, what do you want to write? I told him about the story and everything. And he was like, well, you need to just sit down and just write it. And I was like, yeah, but what if I sit down and I write it and nobody buys it? And he just looked at me and said, well, who's buying it now? That's it. And... Crickets. I felt so silly at that point. <laughs> at that point, I think it was like the next night. 
I think I just sat down at the computer and was like, there once was a time, and that's how the whole thing started. Action, action, action. Sometimes you just have to start. And and for those, if, if we like to bring it to a close, who are who are out listening, you know, I, I, I feel that all of us, like you said, all of us have, have a story. Is your story or does your story have to be in the way of a book? Absolutely not. My story for now just happens to be um, through this radio show um, and mm-hmm. just getting out, connecting, working, speaking with our youth and all of that. But your story may be something else. So start, we live in a in this world of fear and this time of fear. And I, I shared on last night's show that it's not really, I, I was woke up the night before last, I believe it was, and there was like this skit on of, of, of this, I believe it was a movie that's coming out, kind of like a little uh, trailer part of it. And this young man was uh, holding a gun towards another young man, and, and the principal came out and was trying to talk him talk him out of, doing what he was about to do, and he said, I'm not afraid to die. And she said, you're right, you're afraid to live. And that's what this show is about. I remember, you know, the dying to live. So many of us are dying, dying. I mean, but we are alive, but we are dying in our daily living. We are not happy. We are not at Mm -hmm. peace. We're not honest Mm -hmm. with ourselves. We don't acknowledge our mess. We don't deal with our mess. We always want it to be about someone else. We live from this place of an ego, uh, self-seeking, self-satisfying, and there's no place for that. There's no peace in that. There's no happiness in that. No one can tell me that there is. There is none. There is none. Right. And and also it eliminates, it, it depletes your purpose, your passion. You can never get to that. And I rarely say never or ever, but if you're living from that place of fear, you won't pick up that pen. You won't fill out right. that application to go to school or whatever. I, I mean, I hear people saying, I, four years ago, I, I want to go to school. And then four years later, they're still saying it. Four years ago, had you started, you would be done now. Had wow, you just that is so true. I mean, so just start a little bit at a time every day. But you first have to know what it is you're working towards or where you're going. And so many of us are missing that as well. you got to know who you are. you got to know. you right. got to like who you are right now. It don't mean you have to right. stay there. you got to like and love it in order to deal with it. Because regardless, if you, if you don't like or love yourself or deal with it, you still are who you are, and, and you can't get away from you. You're with you right. all day as Right, and you like it or love it, good, bad, or ugly. And here's the thing, too, just to piggyback on what you said, it was so profound. You definitely have to um, be in love with this process, and you have to be very comfortable in who you are. This is your voice. You may have a million authors that you love and you've read everything they've ever written and you admire them, but at the end of the day, their voice is their voice, and no one wants to write in, in echo. You know what I'm saying? So it's very important for you to admire other people but still find your voice. You know what I'm saying? Be comfortable in the way that you put your stories together. You know, trust the the gift that you've been given. And the payback, mm, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And only part of it is the money. 
You right. know, most of it is like nights like night, like tonight. This interview and the things that I took from you in this conversation and, you know, just having this opportunity is going to motivate me when I'm back on my grind tomorrow, you know, just to put this book out there. And these are the things that count, you know, and we never know how many book sales may lead to, you know, from this interview or the next interview. You know, it's constant work. And if you're scared, it's okay. That's a part of the process. You can be scared. Just don't give in the fear. And that's what that 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 we can. I mean, we can stop it right there. Don't give in to fear. Be, we we can't. And, and I don't particularly with our adults because our children mimic what what we do, what they see. I mean, we can talk right. it all day, but are we living it? And 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 I won't even get into there because we'll be all night with that because that's that's what's wrong with our <laughs> day. Because it it is a result of what how we're living, not what we're saying, right. but how we're living um, this world today, and how we how we are living as, as examples to them um, in our lives. We don't have loyalty, uh, commitment, integrity. All of that is gone. So, whatever you do, uh, and and I'll say this for me, at this point in my life, I was not always here. I so understand, and many of you hopefully can relate to this. Um, being told whatever you do, if it's sweet, if you're sweeping the streets, you you sweep them as if you're sweeping them, sweeping gold streets, or you're sweeping them for God. Whatever you do, you do right. it for the glory of God. But right, and that may not work for everybody, but for me, it mm-hmm. does. It speaks for who you are, and you want to leave that behind. You want people to remember you by your legacy, the way that you help them, the way that you let your light shine. So so many of us, we're looking for our light. And because we're looking in the wrong places, because we don't know who we are, I want to give a shout-out to this book, the book that I read. Erica Murray is the author, and it's called CEO to the Power of You. Um, wow. And in this she talks about, she asked the question, are you a collective whole? And I hope I'm saying that right. But basically, this is what she's asking. We're, we, you are this way at church. You're this person at church. You're this person at work. You're this person at home. You're this person around this friend. You're this person around that friend. So who are you? Who mm-hmm. are you? No, because you, you have to play this role in this game so much until you don't know almost when and who and where to play what and how. Right. And so right. we need to get to a place where we just accept who we are and now, okay, where am I going? Where do I want to go? Who am I really? And that's who I'm going to be. And when you start being that person, you will start attracting the right people in your life. And as you continue to grow, those people will either be able to come along because they're on the same, they're headed the same direction, or they will fall off and they will catch up later. Or maybe not. Yep. But that's okay. So I just hope that everyone has, and, and I do this show and say, if I if I come on and there's one person on, and that one person can be me, I'm gonna talk to myself. So I would <laughs> I would do that. It's not so that you have to do it from that place. Even with writing a book, if you write, if you want to write the book, and I look at writing, I was told this many many years ago. When you're reading a book, it allows you to. Talk to someone that you may never get to sit down and talk with and see places that you may never be able to visit. And that's right. what it You're getting free information where people will go, well, I wouldn't say free, but you people will 
like seminars. Um, you'll go and pay $100, $200 for a seminar, but you can buy the book for $12, $13, $14, $15. And you can pick it up, read yep. it again. You cannot call. You can go to that seminar, but you better not call this person and say, hey, I was at your seminar. Can you tell me what you said at 2 o'clock this day? No, but you can pick that book <laughs> up and go back to it and remind yourself of what it did for you that day. And I have to do that often. Yep. So yep, find your right. niche. Find your niche to the people who are listening. And if it is writing, um, you know, do it. And, and please do go out and look at the – it's createspace.com for those are, of those who are looking to self-pub, self-publish. You call them indie? Is that right? Yep, indie, indie publishers, yeah, indie writers. Indie writers. Yep. And okay. indie just, yep, just for independent because that's what you okay. are. It is your work. Now, You're in control of every aspect of it. Okay, and if anyone wants to connect with you uh, that go out there, I know I have one young lady uh, that I need to connect you with, uh, and I, I should have did that last week, but I, I just I just did not have the time, and I will make time this week. But I do have one young lady that would like to connect with you, um, and she is a young lady, and she's actually done with her book um, as okay. well. So kind of got rejected from the world, but again, we say rejection is God's way of saying wrong direction. That's and right. So, so, yeah, definitely connect her. You, you know, you have my information. You can definitely forward it to her or, like I said, anybody who, you know, I am not one of those authors that is too afraid to pass information along. So, you know, I definitely will share all the mistakes I made in hopes that I can stop someone from making those same mistakes, you know, um, moving forward. So you can contact me at Tialise, B-Side DJ, or Tracy Christian on any of the social media fronts. My website is www.bside, side is spelled C-Y-D-E, multimedia.com. And look me up as Tracy Christian on uh, Google Plus and CreateSpace, Tumblr, Pennant, all that. Or you can just go to createspace.com and look up the Black College Sabbatical and join the journey. Okay, 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 great. Um I think we've, I don't know if we've had some issues with just seeing the the number of people out there, but I did see that a good number of people had selected one, but they're not out there anymore. So if you're trying to get in, you do need to select the number one. We've been on for a while, um, and hopefully there was no issues there. I did see quite a bit of numbers out there, but it seems like all of them kind of lit up at one time. That's typically not the way it happens. So either something's probably going on with the, uh, with the site. So, that being said, if you do have questions, you guys can send them to me, and I'll get them um, posted on the comment section that we do after the show. And certainly, why don't you go ahead and give your information out just in case we did have some people that popped in later. Um, just kind of give out any information that you want to give out. Again, your contact uh, on Facebook and all that and your website. Okay, my website is bsidemultimedia.com, and let me just spell that for you. It's B-C-Y-D-E multimedia.com. Uh, also, you can reach me via Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at T Elise, B-Side DJ. Elise is spelled E-L-I-C-E, and B-Side DJ is spelled the same way as it is in the website, which is B-C-Y-D-E. Um, but you can reach me there and to get my book, The Black College, to get my book series, either either installment. Uh, it's entitled The Black College Sabbatical, Fall Quarter, Winter Quarter, or Spring Quarter. All of them are available on CreateSpace, 
com. Just put in the title, Black College Sabbatical or Tracy E. Christian, into a search, and it'll take you directly to the page. But if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, then all the links to my page, all the links to my author pages for the books are right there on my Facebook page. Okay, okay. All right. Um, I'm just going to make sure I'm going to check here one more time. Okay, let me just check real quick. Do you, do you have about five minutes more to go? I want to make sure. I have sure. one person. Okay, just a second. Okay. Okay, I'm back. I kind of figured that was some foolishness going on. Anytime, um, anytime you're talking about uh, some some listeners see the word uh, black or African American or anything dealing with that, we sometimes have people that will kind of just, you know, come and do what they do. Um, and for those oh. of who are listening, I just like to tell them to please go to one of these colleges. Please go to one with your <laughs> man. That's my response. Let me know when you're going so I can go to. <laughs> so that's how we will end that because we don't let anybody take away our joy. And this mm-hmm. has been a wonderful show. And um, anytime you are, you have something to get out, come back again. You have an, have an open invite. Um, oh. I, I need to listen in. You need to tell me more about your show. Now, how can, can people listen to your show like this? Oh, or, yes. Or, well, it's an Internet radio show, so, you know, people can listen. All they would have to do, um, they can listen from their phone, you know, smartphone or whatever, um, and then, of course, from computer. They would just have to go to the number 7, MileRadio.com. My show is Saturdays, 11 a.m., and it is a live, they call us, they call my show the Soul Train of Radio. So okay. we celebrate we celebrate black music, so you know uh, R&B, old school, classic soul, uh, progressive hip hop, contemporary jazz, neo soul, the whole nine, you know. And we also do a black college holler segment. So each week, I feature opportunities available at a black college. Uh, we have the mental meal, which is an ex- inspirational message, you know, one to grow on as you go on through your week. And then we also have a popular segment in the show called the B-Side Battle Royale, and that is where we put artists against artists, and, you know, I self-produce a mix that people can listen to, snippets from each artist, almost like they're in, a, you know, the battle ring, so to speak, and people can participate through a poll through the website, which is 7mileradio.com. Uh, B-Side blog is what they would need to, you know, go to the blog section and hit B-Side in order to vote each week on the polls. And the polls stay up per week. So, you know, um, last week I didn't do a show because I was ill, but uh, this week we're going right back into it, you know. So we do old school artists versus new school artists or, you know, old school giants versus giants. It's always fun. But, you know, it's a a nice walk through music. And then, you know, we also have guests from time to time. You know, much like you did for me tonight, you know, whether they're uh, artists, poets, writers, you know, to come in and promote whatever they have going on. It's a fun time. Okay. Okay, great. And I'll try to tune in. I actually have a a radio uh, engagement this Saturday at one of our radio shows here. But next Saturday I will definitely try to tune in. And, again, I want to say thank you, and you have an open invite. So when you – get to that that next book or any other topic that you think you might want to discuss, uh, let me know and we'll get it on. And then I will 
connect the little girl, the, the young lady to you who's uh, finished her book. I will connect you all hopefully tomorrow. Okay. okay. Well, thank you, Tammy, for this time, thank and you. I love what you're doing with Good the night. Butterfly Evolution. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank, thank you to all of our listeners, even the ones who called in with the ugly words, I love you, and ain't nothing you can do about it, because that's the only way I please God, and you better be glad that I'm on that other side of it. So thank you <laughs> to everyone who listened in, and um, blessings to you all, and I want to give a special shout-out to um, one of my favorite listeners who's also a family member, and it's always good to have Friends and strangers support you, but there's nothing like having family on every show, and she's always on, and she's on again tonight. So I always try to end with her favorite song. So if you guys just kind of hang on and want to hear it, that's fine. And uh, if not, we're going to go ahead and end the show, and we're on again next week. So be sure to, to just kind of fill in and figure out what, what date we're on and what's going on. I believe it will be Monday because I think I'm done for this week. But thank you again, Tracy, and I look forward to having you on the show again. Thank you, Tammy. I look forward to coming anytime. Thank you. And, Diane, this goes out to you.
But I know 